You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Pete Weatherburn is here, our vet from the um, premises, um, the new Emporium on uh, Old Connor. Uh, what's it like? It's really exciting. And when, when do you move in? We're moving in, actually, on Saturday. Great. On Saturday, we're, we're not running a Saturday state morning. State-of-the-art prefab, we're not, is we're it? Not run, it <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually a state-of-the-art veterinary hospital. It's oh, genuinely it? really exciting. We're, we're getting an extra 3,000 square feet. So we up till now, we've only had 2,000 square feet. So we're going up from 2,000 to 5,000 square feet. And then the 3,000 new square feet that we've just built, it really is just exactly like you'd like the vet clinic of your dreams to be like. Just the whole way it's the layout of the rooms, the, the, the line of the, the walls, the lining of the floor, um, the lighting, the ventilation, everything about it is exactly like a, you'd like um, a 21st century veterinary hospital to be. So for us, it's genuinely exciting. We're actually not running a Saturday morning clinic this Saturday because we haven't spent the whole weekend um, just, uh, I suppose what you call, uh, commissioning the IT systems, the phone systems, um, all of that stuff, do you know? But we're, yeah. I think we're going to have a formal opening later in the later in the summer. Once, you know, when you move into building, there's bound to be a few little teething issues, like you know, um, dogs. How are we going to fit them in? You know, something. Yes. There's going to be some way, some ways in which we discover that it's not. And quite. has veterinary moved on like that? It sounds high tech. It sounds yeah. like instruments and things. Well, well what's the run with the vet and the coat and yeah. you know, looking after with love and care those animals? I suppose it's like the comparison between going to see a GP in 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 his in the front room of his home, which is possibly or what we home. used, or her home, which is possibly what we used to do, or going to a custom designed health centre where where you know there's a, a a big waiting room and there's a proper reception desk and there's um, you know wide corridors and you know it's it's. It's to do with the facilities being designed around the purpose rather than adapting a domestic home to the purpose of, 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 of a health facility. It's that kind of idea. There's lots of subtleties which make the experience a more pleasant and productive experience. It, I think for, for pet owners, they'll notice um, huge differences from the point of view of, of, of the, I suppose, the, the pleasure, if you can put it that way, of going to the vet, it'll be a less stressful experience for them and, more importantly, less less stressful experience for their pet. Right. We've designed it around things like having more space for animals in the waiting room. So if there's a, if there's a dog who doesn't like other dogs, there's a little... Uh, nook where the dog can go and, and, and be be quiet and peaceful and away from the other animals. And indeed, there's an entirely separate cat waiting room, which is a really important feature um, because cats especially don't like other animals close to them and they get stressed by that. And we want... Basically, our aim is, is to create a fear-free vet clinic. That is the aim. And we're not the first ones to think of that. That's an American trend, um, but I think it's a wonderful trend. And our, our desire is that animals will actually enjoy coming to the vet. And our new facility in Old Connor will help vets, actually, uh, pets okay, actually Okay, well, like the best coming. of luck with that anyway. Pete Weatherburn, our vet, is here from Brave Vet Veterinary Hospital facility on Old Connor in Bray. And you can see Pete, of course, on uh, TV3. And he's here uh, on the radio with us. And a couple of questions in for you, Pete. Um, one here. Hi, Declan. Ask Pete, uh, if a dog keeps walking into things, does that mean he's going blind? It certainly strongly suggests it. Um, you'd have to actually examine the dog to find out. Dogs also walk into things sometimes because of 
um, well, other problems such as um, brain lesions. Um, you know, um, an, an elderly dog sometimes will, will start to wander around in strange ways, and it may still have vision, but it may be the other bits of its brain that aren't working properly. So, I'd, but but the first. Um, suspicion certainly would be the dog's gone blind. Um, you can do a simple test for that, by the way, by putting by what's called the by testing what's called the menace reflex. What the menace reflex is, if you put your hand in front of the dog's face and uh, about two foot away, and you rush it up towards the dog's face, but just stop before you get to their face so you don't touch them. So, in other words, your 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 um, looks like you're going to hit them, but you don't hit them. And when you do that, a dog should blink or move away. And if the, dog, if the dog just carries on sitting comfortably with its head as if nothing's happening, then you know that the dog is not seeing your hand. If the dog blinks or moves away, well, then you know the dog has got vision. So that's a very simple test to do, called the menace test. Right, and you don't envisage dogs wearing glasses or anything like that, or contact lenses <laughs> or things. You, you know, I mean, I'm not being serious, really, you know, but no, you want to help out your dog, so no, in fairness, what, what can you do? Well, what you, the only type of blindness that can be effectively treated is if there's a, a cataract in the dog's eye. That's, that means when you look at the dog's eye, you see this white area in the middle of the eye where the lens is. That's a cataract. And that, that can cause blindness because it causes a physical obstruction to, to light getting to the back of the eye. So if you remove that physical obstruction by removing the cataract through an operation, well then the dog is likely to get its vision back again, assuming there's nothing else wrong with the eye. So cataracts can be treated, yes. But in terms of using things like spectacles, um, no. No, we don't have ways of of correcting dogs' vision in that sense. So, um, but at the same time, I would be thinking that well, we we judge the world by human standards, and vision is really important to us. But for dogs, um, their perception is different. So they 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 see the world with smell, if you like. They see the world with sound um, and with touch. So. You know, a dog being blind wouldn't be the same measure of, of complications to their life as it would be a human, human going blind. Okay, like. a couple of questions for Pete. Actually, Pete, they're the same topic mm. in a way. Um, could you ask Pete, why is my dog eating grass? Mm -hmm. um, that's from Paul. And hi, Pete. My lurcher, who is nearly 10, has started to eat the garden shrubs, which is something she has never done before. Do you know why she would do this? And this is Amy. Well, I love these why questions because, of course, the only reason you can really find out why is by having the animal tell you why they're doing things. And that is clearly impossible. I haven't figured that one out yet, well, no. We can just have our best guess. And our best guess as to why animals like eating vegetation is that in some way they've evolved to like doing that because it must in some way um, be good for them. Now They make themselves sick. But that's don't one they? that's well that's one thing. Sometimes if a dog is feeling a bit queasy, um, it will deliberately eat grass well, apparently deliberately go and eat grass and to make itself sick. And once they felt sick then they feel better. So dogs do sometimes eat grass to make themselves sick. And I've I've, I've known a number of animals that have done that. Uh, um, and you then have if if a dog's doing this repeatedly, if it's eating grass and being sick, then what you need to do is first of all try and stop them eating grass because it could just be that there is a habit that's formed but if they keep being sick then you need to address the reason for their underlying nausea and um, I've known some dogs for example that are given um, sort of anti-acid anti type medication when they want to go and eat grass and once you give them that they don't want to eat the grass anymore so that's one example um, why do dogs eat shrubs well, same kind of thing um, sometimes to make themselves sick sometimes because they 
they, maybe they want a little bit of fibre in their diet. I don't know. Um, it's an instinctive thing. Um, generally, it's not a big worry, although there are some shrubs that can make animals ill, so you do have to be careful about what they eat. Um, most um, plant poisonings in, in, in dogs would be would cause what you might call gastroenteritis, which is the nice word for vomiting and diarrhoea. So, um, you know... Um, there's a lot of plants won't cause any harm, but some plants do cause an upset stomach. Now, so. how are you expecting us to know which ones would or which ones wouldn't? You mm. know, so well, you have to yeah. have a general rule to keep them away from them all. But then that doesn't satisfy the dog. Yeah, I, I, I think as long as a dog is just having an occasional munch on garden vegetation and isn't getting an upset stomach, then it's not something that I'd be in any way concerned about. It's just part of their behaviour, like going around sniffing lamp posts and, you know, doing things that dogs do. And when they get sick after it, that's okay. A, a one-off vomit isn't a bad thing for a dog. Dogs are very quick to regurgitate compared to ourselves. They've evolved. They can willingly, they can voluntarily do it. They've got muscles in their upper digestive system that allow them to regurgitate when they want to. Um, it's to do with, the, um, actually they do it to feed their pups, for starters, but they also, they also seem to, our mothers do that for their puppies. They actually feed their puppies by regurgitating for them. And dogs can just, they can go, I want to regurgitate, bleh, and that's it. Which, you know, we humans can't do. <laughs> uh, so a one-off one vomit isn't something that um, I would worry about. It's when it, let's say if a dog becomes unwell in themselves, they're clearly n not a happy animal, you know, dull and depressed and so on, or if they keep on regurgitating, regurgitating over, over a period of 24 hours, and obviously, you know, then you have to go to the vet with them. Okay, and does, is this a phase they go through? Um, I, I, some dogs, yes. Some dogs seem to like some plants at certain times of the year. Yes, that's it. Okay. So it's not something to be particularly concerned about. Right. Um, but there might be valuable shrubs thing. You know. Well, if you, uh, that's the you other know, thing. Amy might have a Pe beautiful flower bed. Yes. And shrub bed. And People get upset the about dog that. Yeah. It, you know? Well, the only answer there is to <laughs> put a little fence around the the shrub <laughs> that's precious to you, because dogs will do what they do, and you can't just say to little Fido, Fido, do not get, go near that new no plant of no mine because I really called, like it. No dogs called Fido. I, there are. If you search our clinical <laughs> records, you'll find there's a few dogs called Fido in County Wicklow. <laughs> All right. One more question here. Just come in at the last second. Uh, please ask Pete, um, what can I do to stop my cat uh, going to the toilet in my flower bed? Ah, yes. Now, that's a good one. It's Cats love scratching in soft, loose soil, and they don't know that it's a flower bed. So if you created a lovely, nicely raked flower bed, it looks just like a list tray to the cat, so they do like to go on it. Very hard to stop them apart from excluding them. The one idea I came across, which is a little bit controversial, is that what you do is you actually bury a balloon. You blow up a balloon and bury it just under the soil. So when your cat scratches the soil, it pops. And the cat then goes, whoa, <laughs> that gave me a fright. I'm not going to go and scratch there anymore. Now, um, some some cat lovers think that's an appalling idea um, because it gives the cat a nasty fright. But I think it doesn't hurt the cat, and I think that you know uh, I don't see a, a huge problem with, with suggesting that. Um, but you know, uh, it's cats do what they do, and if you know, it's very hard to stop a cat carrying out natural behaviour like that.
you're on the side of these animals and the poor humans there are <laughs> suffering with their shrubs and their grass and their flower beds and everybody getting sick and all sorts of things. Well, if you don't like what pets do, then don't get pets. <laughs> Pete Weatherburn, thank you very much indeed. Uh, you can hear this broadcast again and indeed get in touch with Pete on his website at petethevet.com and at Twitter at petethevet.com. Thank you, Declan. One quick thing to say, there's a wonderful programme on tonight on BBC Two Horizon called The Secret Life of the Cats on at nine o'clock. And what they did is they put GPS collars and little video cameras around cats' necks. And so they, they find out exactly what cats in this village in England do for a 24-hour period. I, I think saw the be, ad for it. It'd be fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Good television. Yeah, so what time is that? Nine o'clock, BBC Two, Thursday night. All right. Thanks very much indeed. Pete Weatherburn.